From the front line. It's not going to work, man. From the tailgates. Representing KGYR and its stakeholders. We are the Forum for the Fan. The Bleed Blue Show. Flying solo. Here's your host, Steve. And we are the Forum for the Fans. The Bleed Blue Show. The Dugout Podcast. Major League Baseball. 2022 playoffs underway. Uh, on to the divisional round. Wild card just wrapped up. We're going to talk about all of that stuff. All of that stuff. BleedBlueShow.com is our website. Now, the site is kind of down right now. i got to get behind that and give you guys an update on the front of the website. But the schedule tab should be working. So, BleedBlueShow.com backslash schedule for upcoming episodes for the rest of the week. And I already know... Uh, we have the NHL opener on Tuesday, Blue Shirts, Ring Podcast with Ranger Proud immediately after Lightning versus Rangers on Tuesday. Of course, by the time you listen to this episode, it will be Tuesday for the most part. And also uh, Thursday, preview show versus the Ravens, Big Blue uh, football versus the Ravens. Uh, Got to get more stuff with the NFL and college football. I'm going to squeeze some of that stuff in between now and the weekend. Um Post-game episode versus the Packers. It was a good win for the Big Blue, so you can check that out on the RDR archives as well. Uh, Giants win in, in London versus the Packers. Uh, I'm going to go through all these division games, uh, series uh, for Tuesday. By the time you listen to it, you may have started watching the Atlanta series versus the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, that's the 1 o'clock game on Tuesday. A little after 1 o'clock, right? Uh, Phillies and Braves. I think uh, a little bit later in the day, uh, it'll probably be about two o'clock, two thirty, uh, Central Standard Time. Houston Astros versus Seattle Mariners. Uh, we got the Yankees and the, and the Guardians, of course. Our squad, the Yankees versus the Guardians, and then the late game. Uh, the Padres fly all the way back to Southern California versus their division. I would even call them a foe, a division irritants in the uh, NL lead, the Dodgers. Um, we got to talk about all this shit. It's, it's really – what happened, especially with the Mets, you know, see, I, I have this feeling um, in 2018, not as grand of, of a collapse like the, the, the Mets, because the Mets had like a 10-game ten, ten division lead in June, I remember, over Philadelphia – not Philadelphia, Atlanta, and I think Philadelphia is even more back before Philadelphia got hot. And then they just kept on chopping away, chopping away at the, uh, the 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 game, the lead. And that last series, the Braves swept them and lost the the division right there. Uh, they gave up the the, the, the tiebreaker. They're even going 101 wins. But man, I I, I enjoy, I, I definitely enjoyed man uh, these games. The Padre game uh, last night. Uh, if you, you know, by the time you listen to it, the Padre game. That was that was tough to watch, man. I, I mean, I don't say I'm sorry for the Mets fans because I don't really have a hate for Mets fans like that. I don't. I I just watch because the Mets to me are just another team. And have it's kind of been like that since we beat them in the World Series. You heard me say that for years on the show. So, but I love what the <laughs> I love the approach of the Padres, man. Uh, Trick Grisham was a monster versus the Mets. I mean, he in the game versus uh, the Grom. No, no, no. Scherzer first. The home run off of Scherzer in that first game. The home run off of DeGrom. He had the big uh, hit to get the knock in uh, Kim to make it 3 nothing after they were already tacking in runs. And he had a great catch in left center field. 
I mean, he had a fantastic series, uh, Trent Grisham for the San Diego Padres. Carl, I see you, man. What's up, man? Let's talk about this, man. I, I want to have some fun. Uh, we're going to do an inside. We're not even going to go inside out approach. Usually we talk about our team and then we go to other, other teams. Let's start with just the wild card games, man. I think the Mets shit is really – that shit is terrible. Like, in the sense of you had, like, a 10-plus game lead, you didn't even win the division, and you're out just like that, and you had the home field. What are your thoughts on what you saw? Did you see that game? The Mets and the Padres, or the series? Good evening, Steve. I did. Um, I did watch a number of the of the wild card games over the weekend, including that uh, that last two games of the Mets series. Um, you know, I, I was telling my buddy this last night. Uh, big, big, you know, longtime Mets fans. Actually, we were texting a few of them during the game last night, and I said, you know, there is the postseason is cruel. I think that's how I put it, and especially in this three-game format, you know, as good as they were, they were, you know, once you lost the first game that Friday, all of a sudden, you're sort of backed up, you know, and and all, all hands are on deck, and unfortunately, you know, they got through Saturday night, um, but it was there was some comments that the pitcher that started for the Mets last night, Bassett, had made. That either it was, it was either the day of the game or the night before the game. He was doing a press conference and he was talking about the difficulty of playing in New York, and just the vibe that he was given off was just very very odd. And then he proceeded last night to basically walk the ballpark and you know didn't really last you know no more than three innings. So you know when you factor that in, um, the offense who really you know has really kind of had had their struggles the last like six and a half to seven weeks of the season, you know, because if you look at their team, they, the one thing that had separated Atlanta from them the whole time was the fact that while the, while the Mets would score, it took them a lot to score. What I mean by that is at, uh, the, the Mets needed to, they, they, did, they were not a big home run team all season long, and so they needed to string along hits to be able to get runs. And unfortunately, what basically kind of caught up with them, you know, you can only do that for so long. You know, Atlanta, conversely, is a team that hits the ball out of the park. And that was really what sort of shrunk the lead as time went on. And then even last night, and and, and even in the series, I think the Mets only hit three home runs in the series. You know, when when you get a guy like Musgrove pitching the way he was pitching, you need to kind of figure out a way to just get on the board somehow. You weren't going to get three singles in a row against him. He was was pitching too good. And so you, you end up with one of those nights, and all of a sudden, bam, one hit, your season's over. Like, it's, it's, it's a cruel way that, that, that it went down for, for them last night. And, you know, the other thing, too, you know, there's always this thing that goes around about, ooh, you know, we have a team that's, quote, unquote, built for the postseason. And I've always sort of trapped at that idea because there's no such thing. And the Mets had their best pitchers lined up, and those are the results. So what do you do? How do you construct the team? based on those results. Is there like a, like a probability of a, a stats as far as when you're saying uh, built for the postseason, when you look at Scherzer and DeGrom, just their ability, uh, you, know, you know, all the innings and how they've thrown. When, you, when they say built for the postseason, I agree if you have very good starting pitching, I thought they did. Like, what's the percentage? Like, this year just probably was not their luck. Like, what what number would you put on it, on their probability just to get out of it being built for the postseason? What, what are your thoughts on that? 
like percentage to get out of I'm that not, round. I'm not sure of the number off the top of my head, um, but you can just kind of just kind of look through. Let's just use like the last like ten years of that. I'm gonna let's take out the COVID year for a second. Um, like last year, if you looked at Atlanta's pitching staff, right? Like by and large, one through four. No, you know, like there wasn't a big starter that was on the team. They just happened to have enough guys pitch just enough innings to get by. Think of the 2019 year when, you know, the Astros had Verlander and Cole in the same rotation. And, you know, unfortunately, for whatever reason, it just didn't work out. <laughs> like we've seen this, even the Atlanta Braves of the 90s, you know, with all their Hall of Fame pitchers, you know, in a short series, Things happen, you know, that, and that's really sort of the, the basis of all of this. You know, the Royals won the World Series when, you know, they didn't really have the greatest pitching in the world. You know, the Cubs had some pitching, and then all of a sudden it sort of came around the last, like, three games of the World Like, that's kind of how it goes, you know, even for the Yankees. Some years it's going to work itself out, and some years it's just not. You know, you, you know, there is no – I remember hearing somebody say this years ago. There is not a team you can construct – that you can be assured of success in a small sample size of games. There, it's not, it doesn't exist. Best all-star team in the world, doesn't matter. In three out of five, or best out of one as it used to be, or even in a seven-game series, you're, there is a certain level of randomness to these games. And it's, it's, that's the cruel part of baseball's postseason. Yeah, as far as the Mets, uh, they've been susceptible giving up the big home runs late in the season. Uh, DeGrom was giving up a few versus the Braves in that big series uh, versus the Braves. Uh, Scherzer, uh, kind of the same thing. Um, but listen, they got to give credit to Musgrove, Joe Musgrove, man. Like even before, like even going into the playoffs, like the last month, that September, he has been on it, man. He was killing it. And I believe, I think we can agree, the Padres are playing with house money because with, um, you know, with the Tatis suspension, you know, it, it, they could have easily said, okay, we lose to the Mets. Oh, well, you know, we just got to the playoffs, you know, after underachieving last year. Now they face the team that's really owned them, the Los Angeles Dodgers. I really believe this really means more, of course, to the San Diego Padres. Uh, than the than the Dodgers because obviously the Dodgers have won a World Series. Matter of fact, the Dodgers matter or it's arguably saying you know maybe the Dodgers can't take them lightly or or or, or the fact that they ran away with that division so early, like it would probably be a disaster if they lost to the Padres. You could look at it from that way. But let me let me go back to this Mets series real quick with you, man. I thought it was hilarious, dude, because I, I was kind of like I was watching it right, Carl, and I'm I'm kind of. Paying attention, but not paying attention. But I couldn't believe, it, as well as Musgrove was pitching, when Showalter <laughs> came out and literally did a TSA airport check on the pitcher. Like, oh, you know, because he was pitching so fucking Cavity well search. that he, yeah, looking for substance. I, I, I thought it was, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen that before, man. Like, like in a playoff game, like a, you know what I'm saying? Like just the moment, you know, it's not like it's some regular season game, but I, I guess Joe Walter was so, I wouldn't call it, I don't know if the word desperate, it might be as far as trying to find something, <laughs> find something. What was your thoughts when you saw that moment, man? Uh, with, with, with checking on uh, Musgrove, <laughs> checking on Joe Musgrove, man, for any substance, man. Yeah, 
Okay, so I was tracking this before this happened because one of the things that after about the fourth inning had started, it started to be kind of leak out. When, you know, each there's there are baseball sites that are out there that track, you know, that do like pitch tracks that track pitching performance um, in game in real time, and so. One of the things that had stuck out among a number of folks, and it was getting passed around, as you as you saw, you probably saw it, you know, late last night, or even while the game was going on, and even into today, is that the spin rate of Musgrove's um, on pretty much all of his pitches were exceedingly higher than his maximum performance and regular performance this season. Now, some might attribute that to, well. The guy was really excited to go and and was just amping it up, but usually, you know, and baseball is the one sport where, you know, if a guy throws ninety six, ninety seven, pretty hard to go from ninety six, ninety seven, and and especially in the amount as a starting pitcher, to go from that to let's just say I don't know, ninety nine, a hundred, you know, you can't increase your rate that dramatically. So this is going around on the internet. It was showing his, his fastball, his slider, I think his cutter, and one other pitch. And, like, his slider, for whatever reason, was way out of whack compared to, like, even his normal level of performance. So it, it then begged the question, okay, well, wait a second. What's going on here? And then, I get, and then during the game, you know, now maybe it, was a, maybe it was a lighting issue. I don't know. But you would watch his, left, his, his, um, his right ear. You know, looking like a, you know, glistening, you know, like a, red, yeah. I don't know, like some, you know, like some, like it looking like Crisco out there, uh, is all over his, is all over his ear. And so this is going on, and you combat that or combine that with the fact that the Mets have basically no getting nobody on base against this guy, just basically getting mowed down. The season's on the line, and so I think there's two schools of thought on this, right? Because I watched the Met post game last night on SNY, and Gary Cohen basically said, "Listen, um, what Buck did was a bush league move." The other side to it is, if he doesn't do that, right? If he allows that game to just go on, and Musgrove finishes the performance the way he ended up finishing it anyway, and does nothing to investigate, while we all see the the data. And we all see his ear. Like, what, you know, what consequence is that if he doesn't do that? And the best equivalent I can make of this, and I don't know if you remember this story. Um, this happened back in the year, the, actually the year, that, the last time the Mets won the World Series. So there was a pitcher on the Astros named Mike Scott. Of course, and yes, Mike Scott. Mike Scott, he was a, yeah, he was a good pitcher in, in, in this particular year for the Astros. But in the series against the Mets, he was literally unhittable. And in one of the games, I think it was game four. Was it game four? I think it was game four against the Mets. He pitches like eight innings or nine innings, gives up like two hits, and is basically, you know, he dominates the entire lineup. And one of the things that came out of that was that he was scuffing baseballs. And the Mets, you know, they were, they're looking at the balls, and you know, but for whatever reason, the umpire just didn't, either didn't notice, didn't say anything, and it just was sort of let go. And the Mets never actually, you know, didn't challenge. Davey Johnson at the time did not challenge to go to the umpire and say, hey, wait a second, look at these balls. What's going on here? And so that just was sort of allowed to go on. And so 
I would leave, let me ask you, Steve, if you're the manager and someone in your, in, on, in your organization at the time this is going on is giving you information to say, hey, wait a second, something's just not right here. Do you then act on that information or do you say nothing, let the performance go on as is, likely have the season be over and not do anything about it? I don't know the answer. I think it's a fair point. A I think that's a fair point because I, 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 I get exactly what you're saying and take into consideration. I find Buck Showalter a very, uh, very good uh, awareness manager, very good with, you know, what's going on. So, if, I mean, like you said, your season is literally on the line. Why, even if, in, I mean, Bush League or not, I mean, you got to try to save your season. So I kind of understand why he did it, even if it may look morally wrong, just to check it out. But I don't blame him, honestly, especially when you're, like you're saying, you got people in his ear about the data, what, this, you know, something is not right, the spin rate, the velocity is going up more than his normal average. So they're aware for that. They're, they're, they're highly aware of that, and especially from their position in the dugout, seeing it happen, like knowing the, how he's attacking them, jamming them up more than normal. So that even so, even, let's say even I put it like this, and I'll go back to you. Even if that was somewhat true, or hypothetically, I mean, it was Musgrove doing that the entire September because he's been lights out since then? So if you could say if he was doing it in that game, was it possible he was doing it in the games uh, in the last month? For the Padres, I mean, I'm just putting it open-ended if, if we're going to go that route. I'm, I'm just saying it because of how, how well he was pitching. And he's got good stuff, but it makes it even more, uh, even, you know, tougher to hit, especially with those cutters, like you said, jamming guys up if you're an opposite bat. So, yeah, I get it, man. And unfortunately, Steve, baseball players, particularly pitchers, have no longer earned the benefit of the doubt because we have seen these things Time and time and time and time again, with you know, with um, with some of the stuff. You know, there, there was this that whole sticky stuff stuff that came out last year to the point where basically, you know, they had to institute basically TSA pre-check on the mound when guys would come off after innings. You know, that's all of this stuff in terms of how you know. Whether I remember there was there was that one game was it a was it Michael Pineda when he had you know seemingly like Vaseline on his uh, on the back of his neck. Or some, it was a it was a pine tar on the back of his neck that one time in Fenway Park. I forgot the specifics behind right, that right. one. Kenny oh, yeah. Rogers, I remember in the World Series. Again, it, it was Kenny Rogers in the World Series. There was yeah, there was something that there was some kind of substance that what, that he was uh, that he was using. I remember there was a game he pitched a couple games he pitched. No, it was the playoff series against the Yankees. I'm like, man, this guy's got you know, this guy's slider is just like dancing all over the place. And I didn't think of anything at the time to think he was cheating until you know it came out. You know, maybe a couple starts later, but they didn't. You know, the, the Tigers in that World Series never got a second opportunity to have him pitch to have a sort of investigate what the deal was. So that just kind of, you know, let's, you know, it was sort of let go. But, you know, there's been too many instances of, of pitchers trying to gain gamesmanship. And, you know, maybe, you know, the umpires, when they're checking, they're only checking the white, uh, was it the checking the belt and maybe checking maybe some other spot and maybe not checking, you know, the, maybe the, in the in the ear or in some other spot where you know guys are you know potentially hiding stuff. You know teams have gotten smarter as time has gone along here. You know so you just try to figure out a way to maneuver the system, and maybe that's what's going on. I mean we'll see. You know listen if Joe Musgrove pitches you know thirty playoff innings this year and gives up like two runs, 
you know, basically like going out of his mind. Like, you know, he's, would you wonder if something is just a little bit of miss? I don't know, but yeah, I could. I put it this way: if you're a conspiracy theorist, last night was like you could talk yourself into that conspiracy. Right, I can see that definitely, definitely. Oh, I want to gloss over the other series: the Philly and Cardinals, and the uh, Rays, and the uh, the Rays and, and Guardians, and also the uh, Mariners and Jays. Listen, man, that game one. Uh, twofold. We'll, we'll go one by one for Philadelphia. Philadelphia, that you know, they're down two to one in the ninth, and Ryan Hesley just lost all control. It was just a sight to see, Carl, with the with the Phillies just going bananas with walks, getting hit by pitches. I mean, it, the Cardinals control game one, and to me, it's like they never recovered from that ninth inning. Uh, you know, you had the uh, strike. First of all, they got the first guy out. You got uh, Hoskins to strike out. And then I saw the real Mudo, real Mudo uh, walk. And then um, uh, Bryce Harper walked. And we had a monster home run in that game, too, by the way. Uh, Castellanos had walked. It was just a it was just a stunning event. I even saw Cardo fans walking out of the game on TV. It was that is depressing when you literally had the game in hand. And now they go, you know, then they, they finished them off, and, Aaron, and Nola pitched a fantastic game, too. And it goes to show, like, you know, this home field advantage stuff, it really goes out the window. You could t- say the same thing with the Mariners when they beat up on the Blue Jays in, 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 in Toronto. But Philadelphia, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a little shocked, Carl. I thought St. Louis would have at least got them in three. And now they go play against the Braves, where it looks like Philadelphia, who's probably played just as hot as baseball in the NL, outside of the Dodgers, maybe along with the Braves, man, because they had to make up a lot of ground just to get to that wild card. What do you thought? What's your thoughts on that series versus St. Louis, upcoming versus the Braves? And then we could do the same thing when we get to Seattle. You know, that – you know, it looked like Philadelphia was dead in that water, dead in the water in that game one. But once they got that off the, uh, and you know, it's hard, you know, also, you know, sometimes, you know, the manager, and we always kind of, you know, a lot of times like we like the second guess managers and say, hey, you know, you should have done this, you shouldn't, you know, you know, did that. Like he took out that reliever, I think, with like thirty pitches, and the the house was already on fire. Now I don't. It's hard to say, hey, you know she should have taken them out sooner because sometimes you're always just one pitch away from a double play ball where all of a sudden, you know, things that look really, really hairy don't become as hairy anymore. But unfortunately, you know, in that particular situation, it just, it just did not work out. And then of course the next night, you know, Nola, you know, Nola's had an interesting season, right? Like he, he, he's been the Phillies ace quote unquote for, you know, a number of years, but you know, he's been supplanted by Wheeler uh, in the rotation, but, you know, Nola is always capable of bringing, you know, a, a high-quality performance to the game, and he brought that on, on Saturday night. Philly's bullpen, which has been porous, by the way, for most of the season, you know, all of a sudden coming up big, you know, in, in these in these first couple of games here. So, you know, going into the series against Atlanta, it's going to be a, a, a tall order um, specifically. I mean, the Atlanta lineup, one through nine, is is tremendous. You know, that is that is the one thing that is going to be an issue, I think, for Philadelphia. Um, and they have some of the, you know, they, while they don't have big-time starting pitching, they seem to have just good enough, you know, starting pitching and a couple guys that will give you a, a halfway decent performance. But the way the schedule, because they were able to end the series in two games, 
Um, they should be able to – well, they're not going to get Wheeler game one because they start tomorrow, and they're not going to get Nola. So basically, tomorrow is the game that they're unlikely to win as is, but if they could ever steal it, it would really put a lot of pressure um, on Atlanta to really try to figure out a way to, you know, split the next two games and then, you know, allow the series to get down deeper into the games four and game five where where the Phillies won't have those two guys available at their disposal. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Max Fried is pitching. Uh, You got a 20-game winner on top of that behind them. I agree if if Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah, Kyle Wright is probably going to get the NL uh, Cy Young Award. I don't. Yeah, I agree. Like Philadelphia is, uh, you know, I don't necessarily cheer for those teams, but you know they've come together, and especially after guys being, you know, let go, you know, in personal and in the uh, dugout things of that nature. But damn, man, um, Philly, uh, they can st- listen. They can still. They they've played Atlanta pretty well this year. Uh, I think um, Atlanta. I mean, regular season is regular season, but you know we only go off of what we saw in Atlanta. Uh, I think won 11 of those games. I mean, it was really cl- it was cl- pretty close. A lot of those games later in the year, back and forth, back and forth, uh, in, either in Philadelphia or in Atlanta. Um, I, I, I'm looking forward to. I think Atlanta's going to win that series. Be honest with you, but it, it could change if Philadelphia, especially, could steal Game One. But even if they steal Game One, you still got uh, the 20 game winner on the mound. That, go up against you anyway. So it's never not too far out. And they have the pop in their lineup. Uh, Dansby, uh, the third baseman. Uh, they, got, Riley. they got it all, man. <laughs> Austin Riley. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they got it I all. Mean... <laughs> yeah, they got a lot of pop. You know so the they're one... never out of it. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you know, the one thing – but the one thing that Philadelphia is bringing is something that, you know, is a big factor in these postseason games. You know, the Phillies can hit the ball out of the park. And that is a huge equalizer. I think this so far this, this sample size is very small so far. I think only think only I think uh, I had a track. It was uh, teams that won the home run battle in, in this little wild card series was, was four and three uh, based on the amount of home runs that were hit over the last like seven eight years. It's been the, I think the amount has been what eighty I think it's eighty two percent. Where if you hit more home runs than the other team, you win. So in Atlanta, I mean Philadelphia is bringing bomber. You know. Harper with the home run the other night, he finally, you know, getting getting back. Schwarber, mm-hmm. Real Muto, Castellano, you know, they have en- Hoskins, you know, they have enough guys where a bloop and a blast or a walk, you know, two walks here and all of a sudden, boom, three-run homer, that can change the complexion of the game. So mm-hmm. Philadelphia, at least, they have that, just like Atlanta does. Uh, but Atlanta has, you know, a, I would say a more balanced lineup. But Philadelphia can still Definitely. be heard from you know, with those guys in the order. I do like Atlanta's closing or middle relief and closing situation. Jansen is a fan. I love when he closes games for the Braves. Um, so Jansen, they get that, that game into his hands. I, you know, it's going to be really uh, tough for the Phillies to, to recover. Um, I, I'll still pick Atlanta to win. Um, I think they're over that hump. Remember two years ago, when they had that terrible series versus was it St. Louis? That, oh, yeah. they're past that. They already got the World Series. The first inning. Yeah, that, right. That, yeah, yeah. They're past that. Like they're they've already moved on. Got a World Championship. Got past the Dodgers. Got past the Astros. So they're they're they're, they're ready. They're ready. 
and I think their lineup is even more balanced this year outside of Freddie Freeman, who's now on the Dodgers, who's have a great, who's had a great season. So, but listen, Seattle and Toronto. I, listen, they were down four. <laughs> okay, first of all, first, this is why you make the trade for. Um, Luis Castillo from the Reds, right? You know, he pitched a yeah. marvelous game one. Oh, my goodness. So, yes. Toronto is pitching. We already, me and you have talked about this throughout the season, about their pitching. It kind of went down anyway. So, they were already chasing their tail, and the hitting hasn't lived up to expectations in the Blue Jays. But, man, first of all, they were in game number two, down 4 nothing, then down 8-1. And they made a comeback. I mean, they exploded in, like, six, uh, the sixth inning and the eighth inning. It was just Power at the power, the Mariners. Now, there's twofold for me because, to me, they struggled versus the Astros this year. It's the same situation when we talked about um, the, the Padres. Like, they, like the Padres just – they look at the Dodgers. They just, man, how do we – like, it's those, these two series in the West, the AL West teams, the, especially the teams that finish behind these teams, they – it's like they got to get over the home, both of them. It's like the same situation, the Padres for the Dodgers – and Mariners for the, uh, you know, against the Astros. So what are your thoughts as far as what you saw versus Seattle versus Toronto and then how they match up versus the Astros? Because Verlander pitched well versus them. I mean, he's 5-1 and one with the, versus them, but I, I don't think he's pitched since, you know, they pitched, what, August? Uh, I mean, April, August, two games in, 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 in May, uh, and then there was two of them in July. He only had one bad outing, that one game in um, – uh, around like Memorial Day weekend versus the uh, Mariners, but outside of that, Ver- Verlander's been fantastic. But what are your thoughts on uh, Mariners? Uh, how they handled the Blue Jays? And this is what I'm saying: like, who cares about home field? Just get in the games and get into the the, the rounds and see where it goes. And then, what are your thoughts versus the that's Astros? That's why they say just get in because you never know what's going to happen. And the case of you know, case of Toronto, you know that that sort of series loss is kind of a, a microcosm of the whole season really kind of just summed up you know Toronto had some big expectations and they could front run but for whatever reason really since early April it something just just never seemed right and that loss on Saturday was almost like a fitting end uh, to Toronto to Toronto's season you know they it just unfortunately it just was not just was not in the cards but seattle you know hey this is a, a, an incredible surprise for them um you know the one thing you always wonder about when you're making trades is whether or not the guy that you acquire is going to be you know especially when the guy's not on a really good team at all like castillo was you know is he a product of just being a really good pitcher on a really bad team and thus if you put that you know kind of like it's kind of like in basketball where a guy might average 20 points on a team that wins like 25 or 30 games, but he goes to a really good team and he doesn't really perform at that sort of level. I remember we were having sort of that discussion about whether or not the Yankees should even trade for him because there was a question of, okay, is he good because he's good or is he just a good pitcher on a bad team? But as it plays out, Castillo has been just as good in Seattle as he was in Cincinnati. And that has carried through. He showed it on Friday. He's going to get a chance, I think, in game two. Uh, yeah, game two. He'll, he'll, he should be slated to start that night uh, against Verlander because uh, Verlander, McCullers is going to pitch game one for Houston, and Verlander is going to pitch game number two. And so, you know, Seattle – and Seattle's actually um, – I don't know who they're starting tomorrow. I have to take a look and see who they, who they, have, um, who they have lined up. But, you know, 
they have a chance. That's that, that that is the one thing that can be said. Even though the Astros are pretty much lined up pitching wise, ready to roll, and they've got the team and the experience, and you know they are the modern day version of like you know the New England Patriots of football. Like they are that good, and it's going to be very hard to take down. But you know what? In a five game series. Um, I'm, I'm not going to count Seattle out. I will say Houston will win the series in four games. I'll give them one um, mm-hmm. just to, just for that. But I think this will be a, a series of, of very tight, um, very tight off, very tight defense, very limited offense, and probably a lot of two to one um, or even a one a couple, maybe even a one nothing score as early as tomorrow. I would agree with that. I will also add that, like you said about the Astros being the New England Patriots of baseball, as far as their run, you know, multiple World Series appearances, uh, World Series in their wins and things of that. But um, sometimes when teams go on this this run, even the Patriots, they've been clipped off. Like they'll lose like one of those games, like the Yankees have done it in the '90s, where you thought they would have gone to the the World Series and they got clipped off in the the uh, the uh, championship series. I don't remember Houston having that in this run yet. It could happen. I don't know if it's this year, but it's just to keep in mind, yeah. like a lot of these times, a lot of these teams over the years in multiple sports, they get in on these runs and they lose like that division series. Like, oh shoot, Houston won, and you look up like, wow, Seattle did it. Um, Houston's had their number. Verlanders has pitched well. McCullers has pitched well. They've got Valdez, and you know you already got all the bats. We already know. You know, all the guys on the Astros. I just, I, I, until I actually see the Mariners do it, I'm with you. I, I would probably say Astros, probably a four. I, w- I would give definitely Seattle a one. And it'd be great if it went the limit too, though. It'd be definitely be great to go to limit. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna put the regular season to a side for like most of these series and see how it goes with uh, how they match up, division foes. So we'll, we'll, we'll watch and keep t- and keep pace. Listen, I thought, see, I, I we were talking about the starting pitching with Scherzer and DeGrom. It's the same thing how I look at Cleveland, Carl. Like, this was an excellent pitch series by both teams, uh, Tampa Bay and um, the uh, Tampa Bay and uh, Cleveland. Uh, it went to extra innings, and it ended in a walk-off. Uh, that's how, you know, and it's ironic that Kluber, Corey Kluber, a long-time uh, Cleveland, you know, Indian slash Guardian, ended up with the L with the, the Rays, but uh, – now, this is where our team comes in. This is about our team now when we get to this point. Um, Cleveland, every time we saw Cleveland in the past, Carl, when they went to the World Series versus uh, the Cubs or even years before that, they've always had these veteran-led teams. But this makeup of this team is actually the opposite of all these Cleveland teams in the past that have been in the playoffs. These, like, remember when we played the, the, uh, the Cleveland that that year, when Kluber was on the mound, they had the Lindor. I mean, I mean, Ramirez is still there, but they've had all these this young talent, but like middle veteran in their prime guys. They got a lot of young guys, but what I really like about their team is the starter pitcher. McKenzie had very very good stuff. Uh, Shane Bieber has very very good stuff, and. When we play them, first of all, let me give you your thought. Give me your thoughts on Cleveland beating Tampa Bay, and then we can talk about how we match up versus them, the Yankees. You know, Tampa Bay offensively has been, you know, very, um, very low caliber, and so when you matched up the fact that Cleveland Bieber and then McKenzie the next day against that Tampa Bay lineup, Tampa Bay was always going to be 
sort of, you know, kind of struggling to get some runs, and that's exactly how it played out um, in the series. And so from that standpoint, you know, Cleveland did just enough to be able to, to get by, you know, I mean, one nothing in, you know, 15 innings. And, you know, for five, for five hours of baseball, I mean, that's just a, a tremendous performance. But the one other thing I've noticed about Cleveland, especially in this last couple of weeks, because I really started, started to watch them a little bit as it, looked, as it became apparent that, oh, wait, maybe the Indians might actually, the Guardians might actually uh, win this uh, American League Central, is that they play excellent defense. They take away runs. They prevent um, they do a great job of run prevention. And when you have a team like that, that that is athletic enough to make plays like that, all of a sudden singles that you thought would be singles are outs. Doubles, singles that you think maybe, I mean, doubles that you have a chance for are actually singles. So you have to be very cognizant of that with that particular team. Um, guys can go out and get the ball. Miles Straw in center field is tremendous, even though he doesn't hit from, you know, doesn't really hit very much. So that's the one thing I did notice uh, in regards to them. And then, you know, the bullpen, Cleveland, has been very good as well. I mean, they've got the youngest team in the league, and they they were mm-hmm. able to, you know, max out every ounce of that team this season. Where it goes from here, who knows. But they they definitely have a chance. Um, the one thing I would say in this particular series is while Cleveland has very good starting pitching, um, the Yankees will be bringing better pitching to the game uh, this, you know, tomorrow, tomorrow, starting tomorrow night. Now, obviously the cold factor is a huge issue that we are wondering about um, going in. And so you, you just sort of look at Cleveland's lineup and you just say, hey, do not let Ramirez beat you. Whatever you have to do, I'll take – Anybody else getting the, getting the hit, whether it be um, you know whether it be Straw or Quan mm-hmm. or Naylor or anybody else, but I'm not under any circumstances letting Ramirez beat me they, because he will beat you. Oh, absolutely! You no, know, we agree with that. Like you can pitch around Ramirez, knowing that if you want to take your chances with Oscar Gonzalez or Jimenez later in the lineup. I don't think this lineup is as offensively deep like they've had when Lindor was on those teams. You know, that team was offensively gifted. This team is more youthful with their pitching and also, like you said, defensively up the middle in the outfield. They And and they have good pitching coming out of the pen. I noticed that even after the All-Star break. They actually they've had the, the best record since the All-Star break. What, what is it, 6.53 winning percentage, 49-26. Very young team, very jubilant, and then they just took away the central division from the White Sox and the uh, and the Twins, especially in the series versus the Twins. Yeah, so um, I, I, I sleep on nobody, you know. I think the Yankees, uh, you know, especially with the Aaron Judge home run stuff, you know, the home run watch, uh, no matter, you could be watching Law and & Order, and they, if <laughs> Aaron Judge comes up that bad, they're going to stop Law & Order. You're watching it on TV just to do the home run watch. Like, that's all behind them now. You could just go out and do – and it's not that Aaron Judge was pressing anyway. I thought he did as best as he could as far as taking good pitches. There's been some seasons, like the last couple of years, he, he would bite on those sliders. He's been you – know, obviously, he was in the triple crown – uh, race for a reason because he was hitting the ball well and not chasing pitches. So I, I, I look forward to that. You know, Matt Carpenter is coming onto the roster, and if you have any thoughts on what happened with Chapman, what was reported, 
you know, as far as that, what they said he was missed a workout and went to Miami and he bumped him off the roster. You know, it, you know that's what they say on the report. Yeah, but he's been struggling. We all know that. But who knows what's going on with the clubhouse? But you think the Yankees are ready for a uh, AL run? What are your thoughts uh, as far as their matchup versus Cleveland? Do they get past? Uh, what how many, how many games? Cleveland wins the series, or do you, do the Yankees? The one thing that I am concerned about is whether or not the Yankees can get the final three outs of the game. Um, That's been a concern. <laughs> what's the latest on Holmes? What's the latest on Holmes? Is, is, was, did they put Holmes on the roster? I don't think so. I think he was banged up he, too, man. Like, yeah. That, that, so that's the yeah, one thing. A, so if you're looking, that's an issue. Like, you know, Chapman has been it's basically been a lost cause all season. You know. It, for what you know, he he's washed. He he's done. Like that, there's no there was no turning back on that. But with no it, the the issue with Holmes, because Holmes has had a very weird run. Right, the first mm-hmm. ten weeks of the season he was unhittable. Then he sort of regressed to the mean for about the next ten weeks or so. Then he got injured, came back, looked decent, then got hurt again at the end of the year. So we don't know what exactly is going to come out of out of that you, you might hmm, i've been wondering about this because now that efrost i mean i mean i have to look at the whole postseason roster because now with trevino efrost um uh the, i have to check marinaccio see if he came back as well I'm, I'm i'm almost sort of debating whether or not the yankees should use loisaga as the closer i'm de- it's something yeah, that i'm See, right, yeah, see, Who's your other options? Okay, right? Uh, that's a good question. Okay, see, I'm looking at it right here. The Yankees have not even announced their roster for the ALDS yet. It hasn't even come out. It hasn't even been, it hasn't been, even been reported. So we have no idea yet um, okay. as to who will and who will not be on the roster. I think they have until, think they have until tomorrow morning to effect, officially um, announce that. So we're on a holding pattern right now trying to make sure we get the, the right you know, numbers in terms of who would or won't be, who, you know, won't be available. So that's, I think we may have to just kind of pause and, and say, okay, wait, how do, how do they align this? Because I think, like, how many relievers do you think they're going to, I'm thinking they're going to take, what, 12? Should they take 13 pitchers or 12? That I, that's what I'm wondering about. They make, they might only take 12. Um, because, that's, yeah, that's a that's a tough that's a tough call right there, um, based on on the really because I think Herman will probably be one of the guys that'll go as a long man. Trevino, Efros, Peralta, so that puts us at four right there. Um, trying to think of the other, trying to think of some other potential. Is uh, no, I think Brit, uh, probably Britain's probably not going to make it. I don't think so. Mm-mm. Um, I don't. I don't uh, see that. No, he hasn't had enough reps. He didn't. He's a guy. He, he didn't look on point when he came back. I. I I'm not buying that. No. <clears throat> yeah. So that's gonna be. It's, yeah, it's gonna be hard to justify putting him on there. Oh, Litke, that's five. Um, mm-hmm. Did we already put Loisaga in there? Do we have him in there? I think we did. Or maybe not. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Schmidt. Do you think Schmidt makes the roster? Clark Schmidt, um, maybe not. Yeah. I'm gonna say no. But okay. But that lefty bats to help neutralize those righty 
you know, the, the starting pitching, especially for the Guardians and their pen. You know, you know, Matt Carpenter, according to the reporters, saying he looks good, but of course they're always going to say that for the most part. Uh, you know, this, this is the advantage you kind of have when you have um, Rizzo in that lineup. You're another lefty bat, Carpenter, if he is on. Um, um, this roll the dice and take a chance. I'll okay. say Yankees and. I wouldn't be surprised if it went five, but I'll say Yankees in four. And I say that in five because, like you said, the Yankees have shown it's been enough data, it's been enough sample size of the pin blowing it. <laughs> so I can expect – see, when you see Yankee fans exploding about the pitching or the middle relief about blowing one of these games, they shouldn't be surprised because we've seen it all year round. So I'm giving Cleveland one of those games just on that, on that strength. So I'm not going to be surprised. So if, you know what I'm saying? Like, if they did it, like, three games, then you, I'll really, really explode. But, you know, one game, but that's what the – this is what this – I think a lot of fans live in the past because of the Ramiro Mendoza's. You know, that – see, that's an all-time middle relief to to set up man to closer. You know, with Mariano Rivera, the Wetland, and then when Wetland left, and Rivera. That's all-time. And Yankees fans have been spoiled. That's normally not that great. You know what I'm saying? It's not that good, you know? Now we're back down to earth, and I believe, you know, we'll, we'll probably blow a game. I, and then I see Shane Bieber going, like, seven innings against us, no, no matter who we're, you know, he's pitching against, whether it's Tyone or whatever. Um, I, I, I can see that. McKenzie, we've actually hit well versus McKenzie, but McKenzie has been pretty much on the uh, second half of the season. I really like his stuff. I mean, he's a very good pitcher. Uh, but anyway, um, what do you got? How many games you got for the Yanks or the Car- or the Guardians? And also final thoughts as we get into the division series. If you have anything you want to say about the Dodgers and Padres as well, that series. Um, not much on that. So I, I think LA will do what they need to do. Uh, it may take five games, but I, probably four is probably the number on that. But in terms of this series, um, I'm going to say five games with you as well. I think there will be one game that the bullpen just doesn't come through. And the Yankees will take one of the they'll take one of the take first two games here, and I think they'll take one of the two games in Cleveland. I, the one thing I did wonder, and I was, should have asked you about it earlier, um, since I noticed since something that I know Houston does, like Houston is not starting Verlander until the second game for whatever they seem to believe that the second game takes slightly more significance to put your best pitcher on the mound than the first, and the Yankees are starting um, Cole in Game One. Did you agree with the move to start Cole in Game One, or were you in the uh, under the mindset of starting Cortez in Game One? I would I would go with um, Cole. Um, historically, you already know uh, they always played the politics with you start your most paid player, and this is why you bring them in, especially in New York, is that type of city is around the sports franchise to always do that. However, even though, even with me saying that, I was actually surprised Scherzer getting game one ball. And that's been a really bit of critique of the Mets losing the series. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but people are getting on why you didn't start DeGrom and then go to Scherzer. But, you know, I would have went cold. I, I would go cold, honestly, and go Cortez. I'm cool with that. Uh, what about you? Um, well, I guess, you, you know what, if, if I believe that Cortez is the team's best pitcher, which he's been all season, based on everything that has happened, you know what, starting him in game two probably makes much more sense. You know, obviously you're going to give Cole the ball, but, you know, in game five, all hands are going to be on deck anyway, if it gets to that point. You know, I, right. I'm 
um, you just hope that Cole will be able to, you know, spin you, you know, let's just say six innings, one run tomorrow night and leave the game in a, in a good position. You probably, you know, the last thing you, that anybody is really expecting, I mean, maybe, maybe not everybody, but, you know, the last thing folks are thinking about is, you know, Cole having to leave the mound in the fourth inning because he's given up, you know, five runs. You know, like that, that's, not, that's not what we're looking for here. So tomorrow night, just to get that first one out of the way. And he, I mean, Ooh, I keep saying that. Uh, Guardians are, you know, starting a very, you know, you know, they're starting a very good pitcher tomorrow night. So that, you know, maybe the game gets tight in the later innings, and that's the one thing I worry about because they've got a closer who I think has been the best closer in the league this season, and I don't want to put the game in his hands late. So that's fair enough. That's something that we should look for. And now, fair enough. You know, I. Uh huh. Oh, go ahead. No, no. What were you going to say? I was going to say now that. In terms of the offense, because we really haven't talked about the Yankees' offense uh, so far, you know, now that this judge thing has been lifted, you know, there's no more game, there's no more regular season game, there's no more, there's no record to go chase anymore. I wonder if that sort of calms things down, and maybe he's even better as a hitter now, go into this postseason. I mean, the, the Yankees are still going to have to contend with the idea of all right, who's going to who's, who's going to get the hits in this lineup, and we're still kind of wondering about that a little bit. But I think Torres might be the breakout player offensively of the series. I think if you look at the way he's been he's been trending the last month, I think that might be the the sort of uh, unsung uh, you know breakout star, not star, but breakout player of this series. I hope that would be the case. I'm not exactly sure if he if he gets off to a, a, a slow start in game one, if, if it's like, let's say, Shane Bieber, because I think they will struggle against him, honestly, anybody in that lineup, including Judge, because he has great location, great accuracy, and um, mixed with his velocity to change a little bit some of those arm angles uh, to throw. And sometimes it could throw you off, especially if you haven't hit in a couple of days. And I agree with you. Like, they, I think everybody knew around the world about the Jets thing. You put that stuff behind you. Um, but this is the type of pitcher, you know, you could get off to a bad start and you could lose game one. Just don't let that, you know, don't let that kill your spirits and just come back and pitch game two. I was thinking about this uh, offensively, or not even offensively, just a pitching. I would even play with it. I thought about it, but so no, I'm not going to play with it. I'd rather just, just go with Cortez, with the sure bet over Tyone, because even if the Yankees found a way to win game one, you can go either or, but I'm with you, probably go Cortez. Don't even play around with it. Just try to get as much, uh, maximize the best pitching you got on the front end, because you already know your pen has been the struggle zone 162 games this year. As a balance, they 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 overachieved first half of the year. They came back down to earth, and they just quite have not recovered. Um, and the Cleveland has been played well, so um, I would say Yankees in four. Would it surprise me in five? What do you think the Yankees? How do you think the Yankees should do the outfield situation now that they Ben and Tenney apparently is ready to come back? I think Bader in center field. Really? Hey, I, you. Um, <laughs> I didn't I realize. That, that's what the, I think. The, yeah, I think I know Carpenter is, is is they said he's healthy. He's well, he's saying he's healthy. Let me rephrase that. So that's why I think they're still trying to finalize this stuff on the roster because you're gonna, if you're going to carry Carpenter, Benintendi, Bader, and if you're going to put, I think Judge would then have to go back to right field, put Bader in center field. I'm not sure where you're getting at bats necessarily for Carpenter. If you're gonna keep Stanton as the DH, like where, 
I'm trying to figure out where Carpenters at Bats are going to be coming from. I would def, I mean, that's why you made the trade with St. Louis. You better got to go to center, right? And then, of course, you know, I love judging right field. You know, you slap a single or you try to extend a long single to a double. I mean, that's playing the judge's hands with that arm, you know, playing those caroms off the, the corners. He's definitely right field, Bader in center. Um, Stanton or Carpenter, either or, how you want to alternate left field in the DH. I mean, I, I mean it's, that's just assuming Carpenter is ready. I didn't know about the Benzindi. I thought he was just done for the rest of the season. Now that throws – it comes down to one of them, of course, right? Stanton is definitely playing. I don't – I see him DH, and I don't see him playing the field. So it would probably be – it would probably be Benzindi if he was available, Stanton DH. Carpenter off the bench, but uh, I don't see Stanton in left field. I just don't see that. I see him DHing, and it all depends on the health and the status of Carpenter and Vincian. That's how I look at it. Yeah, it's a, it's, but it's good very, to have. It's good to have. It's good to have though. Yeah, empty bats. Yes. Oh yeah. Very very tough call to make. Somebody's going to get left out. That would then mean that Hicks is going to get left out. You know, there's, oh, there's, there's, based on the math, you know. There's a lot in play here. And he was hitting well for a little bit of stress towards the end of the season, Hicks. I mean, he's had a, you know, batting is always subpar, but he had, a, he, had he gets a little hot streaks here and there. Um, but nah, um, even with the big home run earlier this year versus the Astros, uh, he's kind of too offish, especially from the left side of the plate. And he's always seen a lot of the right-handed pitching. Um, I mean, this is why you make the trades, because you don't think the guy you currently have, you signed him to that contract, or unless you're calling it for death. I just, I don't see – if if they're available, they play. We saw a Carpenter when he was in the lineup. He, he was a very good bat to protect that middle of the lineup, you know, when, when we're uh, optimized, you know. So I'm with that. Any, oh, oh, one more thing. One more final thoughts on that. Or you guys, oh, you guys, let, me, uh, something let else. me follow up on that. Yeah, let me follow up on that Benetton yeah. thing. I'm looking at what Boone said, I guess, yesterday. Uh, he's a long – Benetton's a long shot for the uh, ALDS. He said he's starting to hit. He's getting better, but he's not expecting it. So we can scratch him out. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. Anything else LeMay, about you, uh, in these games? What about LeMayhew? Uh, LeMayhew says uncertain to be on the DS roster right now. Potentially, uh, but that, I would say it's, it's less than 50-50 that he makes the DS roster. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. All right. And then oh, Holmes. It. It's, yeah, Holmes could be. It says here Holmes could be ready for game one or game two. So there's a chance he may not even be available tomorrow. That that then throws who's going to close tomorrow night if it gets to that situation in flux. Mhm. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully we get some use out of her mom going like maybe throw almost close to two innings in the long stretch if possible. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah, I mean that's why. Yeah, get an eight-three win, and yeah, get an eight-three win, and, and put the back half of the bullpen in the uh, in the game to close out the let's say the last two three innings. You bat, right. battle solve I look forward. Right off the bat. Yeah, I look forward to the, the stadium to be rocking too. I mean that's one thing, and like they get a lot of good electricity, man. I don't see the, like this Cleveland team. I, I mean I hate to jinx it or try to jinx it, but batting around like how the Red Sox did us in 2018 after when the Yankees went into uh, Fenway and split that. And they came home and got destroyed. But uh, we're past that, I believe. I hope so. Um, are we good? Anything else from that? Uh, any other series as we wrap up, man? Are we good? 
I don't think so. I think it's it's going to be a good day of baseball. I think baseball starts tomorrow at 12 o'clock, so we're starting Noon. really early <laughs> tomorrow. So, hey, you know, postseason is here. It's the best time of the year, and uh, every pitch is is meaning is meaningful. And it, it's you know we get the second guess, first guess, and you know we'll have a lot of fun beginning uh, tomorrow. Some folks will probably go home by Friday, but you know what? Let's let's extend this thing a little bit out further than that. Oh, there. They're definitely going to get the ratings, uh, maximize the ratings with the Yankee game at 7.30 or whatever, that 7.30 slot. And then, of course, it makes sense, the Dodgers and the Padres on the West Coast, the last game. But, the, you know, you know, it makes sense because Philadelphia and Atlanta are in the Eastern, uh, Eastern time zone. And then uh, the Astros and the Mariners are in the Central. Yeah, it makes sense, that order of the game. So. It is what it is. All right, man, I'm enjoying the games, and we'll wrap up and catch up on next Monday and see how it goes and who's out or how we get to game five, depending on the series. Shout-outs to you, Carl, man. Hey, oh, are you still hungover after that Giants win, man, or are you passed it and moved on to Baltimore or what? Slightly buzzed. <laughs> Slightly buzzed uh, after that one. That was a, uh, that was a very, uh, it was very inspiring uh, victory, and you know it's one of those things where, you know, when you get a team like this that's not expected to do much, and they win early, you know, all of a sudden potentially a situation where a lot of guys buy in. Guys are not guys who may be hurt. All of a sudden are not as hurt. They want to be out there. <laughs> you know, when they've been losing, when they've been right. losing all these years. When you're zero and three, you know that little nagging, you know, ankle injury. It's like eh, I don't know if I can come back this week. But when you're four and one, three and one, you know, and things are trending the way it, it looks these first five games, all of a sudden things don't hurt as much. And so that's something yeah. to, you know, that's guys are buying in because of the early success. Making the quarterback be a game manager, just protect the ball and just do not turn it over. It's just, I mean, that is just a simple formula. And if you just do that, don't be a hero. And we have the line, the, 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 you know, as they joke, because after that Dallas game, they got better on that line, man. I, I, you know, we talked about that with Evan Neal, and they look better. They definitely look better. You can roll with that. It takes time to gel, man. Like I said it on Sunday, it takes time for them to gel. But especially because you already know how I feel, and we'll wrap up. Uh, you know, we saw that first game he won in Tampa, right, the quarterback. You know, a very exciting moment. But this definitely – is over that you know the win that win versus that quarterback you know I know he doesn't play directly against the quarterback but you know you know what I mean Aaron Rodgers and then the game when we were at that that would be number three that game he beat the Saints throwing for over 400 uh, in the Superdome that's his third best game I believe as a pro but yeah this the, the game in London definitely um, you know hopefully he can continue uh, just to just not turn the ball over you saw the Ravens beat the Bengals. Uh, it should be a fun one. We'll talk about that on Thursday and then on what happens on Sunday after that. But as far as the baseball, it's going to be a long day of baseball, Carl. Oh, man, one more thing. Blue shirts tomorrow. Season over. you have any thoughts on that? If I, now, At I'll the let same you go time. And wrap up. Yeah. I thought you know, that's a fucking <laughs> A pitcher and pitcher yeah, night. I don't gonna... like a pitcher and pitcher's night. Not a season over yeah. and, and a game one on a division series? I mean, I guess because I don't – how else could you do it? Like, they didn't plan it, like the NHL, you know? No. I mean, that's yeah. a great game, so, great number one. I'll have, I'll have to relegate that to my uh, separate um, 
27-inch um, uh, PC monitor that's on my on my coffee table. So I'll I'll have that on on the side. I will probably won't be able to, I won't be able to hear the audio of of the game um, unless it goes to commercial unless the baseball game goes into commercial. So we'll have to kind of do it that way for for the one night. But you know for uh, for all the guys, you know Ranger Pratt and all the uh, all the guys, I miss them. You know, and uh, is, is there a show for that tomorrow night or no? Yeah, yeah, we'll be on after the game. And I, 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 yeah, yeah, we're every Tuesday, um, starting tomorrow, every Tuesday throughout the regular season, whether the Rangers play or they, they don't play. And also we talk to all the other teams. We'll talk about the Golden Knights and also the, the Winnipeg, whoever. You know, it's, it's all it's not just our team. We're talking to everybody. And, um, but, yeah, tomorrow post game after the Lightning. And I definitely, of course, I'm going to keep an, a lazy eye, a peripheral on the Yankee game. <laughs> this yeah. Is it's a multi, multitasking. <laughs> a multitask night is in order. And, you know, as I'm thinking about it, Tuesday, Wednesday, off day, Thursday, Friday, Saturday – you know, if the series goes five games, you could have a situation where you have the Giant game and uh, potential Game Five Yankee game both on the exact same day, just like I we, uh, just like the Mets did. So that's that's up, that's potential that's out there. Yeah, you if you're a think about it like if you're that Giant Met fan, right? You know, there's a lot of Giant Mets fans. You were a Giants fan. You saw a great win in London, and you literally saw your baseball team win 101 games. The high and low of that fan, it, that's just wow. Wow. I mean, we're giant Yankee guys, but there are a lot of giant Met guys, including that, you know, support this platform, man. I just feel, I don't know even, I can grieve the, 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 the level of emotion of going from that on Sunday morning to how it ended Sunday night. Goodness gracious. Wow. But anyway, uh, shouts to you, Carl. Man, yeah, yeah, come on and join if you want to. Uh, Rangers uh, season opener uh, versus the the Bolts, the Eastern Conference champions, and what was? If we if we get a if we get a dull period in that game tomorrow night um, during 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 the baseball, I'll I'll switch you, I'll switch over for for a little bit and join you guys uh, uh, after the Ranger game is cool. over. Sounds good, man. Sandra, shout out to Carl. Bleed. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Blee blue, 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 blee blue.